What's up, world? Uh, I just, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I don't know. Dave, Dave, Dave. Insert here. Yo. It's a terrible game. Bottom line. It's terrible in every way. Graphically, it's terrible. Gameplay is terrible. It's just terrible. Oh, angry Nick mad. That game sucked, and it's gonna suck no matter how many revisions they make, and it just sucked even more because they put a connect with it. Oh, angry Nick mad. Or if there's violence, I'll just laugh and enjoy the fun. Kaz Hazari. Hazari. Kaz Harai. 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 They just kind of got tired of Angry Nick on the first one and said, yeah, I'm gonna pass. Oh, yeah, so I do. Precisely. No. No. I, I, per- I no. do all my work. No. No. Yeah, I'm you guys are so I don't- cute. Oh, thank you. I try. I mean, let's face it, Mario, and to a lesser extent, Zelda, is what carries Nintendo at this point. Always be radical. I love your little podcast. You're the bestest thing ever. For the promise of a new Super Smash Brothers and the Zelda game, yes. Will not find a better story presented in any other game genre, in my personal opinion. Like, JRPGs have that. They have that story. That's what the entire game felt like. Oh my god, I want to bang my head into a wall. It's a podcast. Can someone remind me? I thought it was a video game podcast. You're listening to the Game Source Podcast. We're live now. This is Gerald Glassford uh, from Game Source and also the Pop Culture Cosmos. Um, and I'm back uh, with today. Well, well, I'm with a guest that... that wrote a, a, a detailed outlining uh, a history of a company who um, had its big rise, big fall, but you know one that was, well, how shall I say this? Uh, one with a very storied history, one that many gamers should already know, one mm-hmm. that retro gaming fans always will know, and one that a lot of people that have been interested or have had toys over many, many years will come to know as well. And that's Coleco. I'm today with uh, Antoine Claire Renault. He's the author of the official Coleco book or Coleco, the official book as it's titled. Uh, it's available today. Um, if you want to just look it up on the, well, if you do Google search, you'll find it automatically, but I'm going to give you everyone the site right now. If they go to, um, it is as I go, I, I even, I even have a simpler one. So just, uh, if, uh, oh, that's so you absolutely go right ahead. What's, what's yeah, the, uh, Colecobook.com. Oh, there you go. As, Colecobook.com. Yeah, as, as simple as that. I managed to, to get the, the website. So it was just easy. It's even we're you know because I was going to go through your publisher, but ColecoBook.com yeah. makes it much easier. It's an outlining of the great history of the company, and I'm here today again with the author Antoine Claire Renault. It's a pleasure having you here. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to speak with us here at Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. Thank you very much for having me, Gerald. I'm really I'm really pleased to be here. Uh, the first thing I wanted to ask you, and thank you again, um, is. Your background, as far as is concerned, before coming up with the concept of of outlining um, the history of Coleco. So I started working on the. On, so let me just uh, go back uh, really far away. So I started being passionate about video games in 1991 when I got my uh, my first uh, video game console, which was a Game Boy with Tetris. Oh, nice! Um, and 
this is this this is really when it when it all started, and then I, I really wanted to work in the industry one way or, no, or another. So as I ended up studying game design in two thousand eight, between two thousand eight and two thousand ten, in, uh, in Paris, in France, uh, where I'm uh, where I'm from, and afterwards I didn't manage to find to find any work, any job in France, so I immigrated in Canada, in Montreal, where, uh, where I live actually, uh, where I live currently right now. And I worked for three years as a QA tester, and then I, um, I really wanted to, I really, um, I really, I really noticed that I became really even more passionate about retro gaming, about the history of video game, and this is really what I wanted to do. So I, I just uh, contacted some friends of mine. I started writing for some magazines in France. And I worked also on, the, on three books on the very first PlayStation, which, uh, which ended up uh, me uh, founding my, uh, my, my publishing company and writing. So the, my very first book that, just, uh, that is just out now, in, and it's about Coleco. So yeah, there, there it is in, uh, in a nutshell. Well, you you, uh, you said it before. You started your history with video games in 1991. As someone who started his history a few years before that, we'll just start off because <laughs> I'll be denouncing my age here in a second, probably. Um, what prompted the, your interest in the ColecoVision? Because as you know, as you noted, that was that you know the ColecoVision at its height. Yeah. Yes, How, that's interesting. How did that come to be? So this is really when uh, when I first met uh, Jean-François Dupuis, my co-author on the book, uh, who provided me with all his uh, his great research. He started in 1996, and when we met, um, he told me that he was very passionate about Coleco and and the Coleco vision. And uh, so this is where uh, where it, where the the book project started for me, because for him it started really before, and he, re he really wanted to do something about that and. I uh, didn't manage to, uh, to, to go through with it, and I really wanted to help him uh, achieving that. And so this is why we, uh, we, 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 we agreed on, uh, on working on, uh, on this book together. Um, and so Coleco, for me, it was the company that made the ColecoVision. I really didn't know much uh, about them before uh, writing the book. And then, uh, because Jean-François really managed to uh, to transfer his passion to me, I really became. Re um, uh, it was an interesting I, search, I guess. You, yeah, you decided yeah, yeah. to go and more into background, correct? Yeah, exactly. I I, I just wanted to uh, to do something something uh, something else than another book on Atari or another book on Nintendo as well. So. So for me, Coleco was a very good uh, contender for uh, for this, and and there was no book about it. So we really started from scratch, and it was a it was a very cool experience. And for me, even though I wasn't I wasn't born when the Coleco was released because I was born in 1986, and the Coleco Vision was released in uh, 1982, it it didn't prevent me of uh, from doing really good research or uh, or. Or contacting, contacting the contacting sorry the people who work at Coleco um, during that time, and because something that that um, something I'm, I'm really passionate about is the history of video game uh, simply. So whether it's 
during my time or before I was born, it's uh, it doesn't matter. So it's uh, it's a it's a history that needs to be preserved. So so there you go. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, to do something that wasn't done before as well. And uh, you know, I, I did recently did a review of the book uh, that I posted on the nuherald.com. and a very good one. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And also as well, uh, yourgamesource.com. Um, I noted that some of the most fascinating parts were not about the ColecoVision. Um, there is a great bit devoted to the ColecoVision. Let's get that out of the way first. Mm-hmm. There is a great exactly. portion of it. But there were some interesting things that were, were uncovered. And and like you said, you wanted to not just go into the ColecoVision mm-hmm. itself, but actually the company as a whole. Um, I know Coleco, like you said, a book like this on Coleco has never been done before. Um, it's been never been approached because it's been a company that, even though it, at its height, uh, rivaled many of its uh, you know competitors in the toy and gaming industry. And and let's put it this way: back when the ColecoVision was out, the gaming systems were still considered much in a way a part of the toy industry as a part exactly. of its own mm-hmm. own entity. That's yeah, you're right. Um, as someone who owned a ColecoVision. Um, I know I had to go to, to through toy stores and whatnot, and it was sent into the toy section. Even mm-hmm. companies that and stores that were department stores that were not specialty stores for toys, you would always have to go to the toy section in order mm-hmm. to get it. Um, my question to you on that end is: How hard or how difficult was it in the research as far as for the early, especially the early days when it came to the Connecticut Leather Company, as it was originally called? So this is where I was lucky to to work with uh, with Jean-François because he really provided me with uh, with all the research he, he started 20 years ago uh, already and and he, he collected documents uh, so catalogs uh, internal documents as well about Coleco and this is really this was easier for me to to start with those documents because I could see what what kind of toys they made um, we even had a document about the the history of the company that they released on um, in 1982 for the uh, 50th uh, year anniversary of uh, of the company because it was founded in 1932. Mm-hmm. And in here they detailed how how they began, how Maurice Greenberg uh, immigrated from from Russia to the U.S. Uh, in 1911, and and what he did, uh, etc. But there was still a, uh, there was still a big a big chunk of research to to do uh, because those information as valuable as they are uh, were not enough for uh, for hold the book and so this is where i started i started digging myself um on and started uh, tracking some people some people down as well and and this is also where I managed the very first picture I put in the book uh, in, for the very first chapter. Um, on the left page is uh, was given to me by um, um, oh sorry, just I just need to to get his name right. I don't want to uh, no, don't want to fit. I, um, as, as I told you before the broadcast, I don't. That's the same thing I had in mind as well. So it was uh, Robert Greenberg. So it was is the great. The great grand nephew, or the grand nephew of a uh, Coleco founder, and I managed to find him on Facebook because he's still um, 
he still has the the company. He still has the company of his grandfather. Uh, even though it's now it's not uh, a moving company anymore. It's uh, it's an antique store company, but it's still in the same area in Connecticut. So I told him I was working on the book, and he told me, "Hey, don't worry. I I, I have some uh, some pictures if you want." So he, he provided me with this one, and uh, I was uh, I'm still very grateful for uh, for that. And so this is this was really. More about the more about finding the people who, uh, who worked at the company or who, who knew about the company uh, at the time uh, for the research because the whether it's toys or um, or information on the of the company after uh, after the beginning so really the eighties the seventies the eighties which is a period that that started being documented uh, either on the internet or uh, or elsewhere. But the the biggest challenge here was on the on the first uh, twenty years. Let's put it in that way uh, between nineteen thirty two and uh, and the fifties. Uh, I can imagine. It was, so. it, it, it was challenging. Yeah. Um, I want to ask real quick: Does he still retain the rights to the Coleco? I mean, obviously, Coleco is not the company that it was once. In fact, for all intents and purposes, it is not that company anymore. Does he still retain all the rights to all the properties as far as concerned? Have they been, has some of it been sold off? For instance, uh, you know, obviously the ColecoVision, ColecoVision titles. And then, then uh, you know, just as important or possibly as important if, since now people are going into pop culture uh, a little bit more heavy these days, uh, the Cabbage Patch Kids. Mm-hmm. So the rights, uh, so Coleco rights, uh, now are are being uh, held by a Chicago company called River West Brand, and which um, uh, Chris Cardillo is a part of. So Chris Cardillo is uh, is is the man who really helped me also with the book. Uh, this is uh, with him that I discussed to to have uh, to have the to be able to call the book Calico the official book. So to be um, an official product for uh, for the brand, uh, so the official, uh, really the official history of uh, of the company, um, and they really also helped me with uh, with some uh, English proofreading because, uh, as you can hear, English is not my uh, my mother tongue, so I'm, I'm still struggling a bit with it. No so, problem, you're doing fine. Thank you, and so. Uh, so yeah, the, the 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 brand still exists, but the company does not. So it's uh, it's a little bit complicated. But this is how it works with uh, with brands. So it, if the company goes under, which was Coleco's case in uh, in 1989, um, you can still get uh, the rights to the brand, uh, and then uh, just uh, just um, uh, license uh, this uh, this brand to to some other people. So like me included for. Uh, for for the book, for example, but you can do that for uh, for other toys or uh, or any other project uh, actually. In many ways, it's similar to Atari because um, the Atari, the the actual company that that it once was, is no longer. Uh, it still tries to mm-hmm. you know to rear its ugly head sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Um, with other companies, people. but the the rights and the properties, people still there are still companies that are still want it, still have you know still obviously. Yeah, still yeah. So. Yeah, if if you're yeah if you're talking about a specific game, yeah, this is where it becomes blurry, and it's the same for the for the whole video game industry. Yes. So um, just as an example, so Jean-François Dupuis is also the the founder of uh, Collector Vision. So they create games for uh, the Coleco Vision, but not only. They're also an independent game developer now. And recently, uh, I think it was last year, they wanted to make a game. Uh, um, 
a rig dangerous game so like a kind of a sequel or a, or a port on another system mm-hmm. and they didn't manage to do it because the the company because the company still owns the 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 brand uh, even though we we haven't seen a rig dangerous game in in ages but uh, and it what and it, this is what surprised me uh, the most is that it's square enix that owns the right to to rig dangerous <laughs> So, so like the the people who make Final Fantasy or Deus Ex, they also have the right to a, to an obscure game. So it was a popular game in the eighties, but right now it's an obscure game, and and they didn't want to make like a millions with the with the game, but uh, just because they wanted to use the the name, they they couldn't because it's uh, it's their brand and they want to protect it uh, just just in case they want to do something with it. So, and you'll find and, that I, I've I've come to know that that yeah as, as well that there's that a lot, a lot of these large entities have a lot of these these dormant mm-hmm. exactly. um, d- titles that that people would love to see reimagined and and may never see the light of day just because of that, just because it, it's not a fiscal decision. Even though there are other parties, like you said, mm-hmm. like like your co-author that that actually has uh, the the impetus to do that. So very mm-hmm. fascinating indeed. Um, I did want to ask you real quick your thoughts on as far as when you were going through those early years um, before at, I guess the height you would say would be ColecoVision and whatnot. And, and mm-hmm. um, most people's mind as far as um, you know, that and the, uh, the insane cabbage patch kids era, kids mm-hmm. era, which I lived through as well. Again, dating my mm-hmm. age. Um, <laughs> what were some of the fascinating parts for you? And what are some of the parts that maybe, you know, you you looked at it and you had to look at it again because it was so wild that maybe you know you didn't you wouldn't associate Coleco with being involved with that type of product because like I said mm-hmm. before that was some of the most fascinating parts of this book for me and it, again the book is going is available now on ColecoBook.com um, if you're able to go ahead and get it you just order it right away because it is a great read but that was some of the most fascinating points of the book myself is that. I did not know Coleco did some of the things that they did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so I, I, uh, I hear you, and uh, I think you, you refer to, to the swimming pool business, for example. So Possibly. It's, yeah, it, it was, for me, it was some, something fascinating because, yeah, as, as I told you, the, when I first started the project, I knew about Coleco for the Coleco vision and, and only about that. And then digging about the project, I... I started noticing that they were doing swimming pools and then snowmobiles and that they were also in Montreal, so where I live now. And so all that stuff that, that um, became so, uh, con- um, began to, to pile up. And uh, so it was very fascinating, to, uh, fascinating for me to, uh, to learn all, uh, all, all that. All those and, contradicting uh, things, correct? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because first it's a, toy, first it's a leather company, so they are... Uh, the founder was uh, was a supplier for uh, for shoemakers, so that that's the thing. And then his son just realized that the, the toy business uh, is becoming big, so they started doing uh, uh, leather toys, leather craft kits, and all that stuff. And and then they they discovered the plastic, so they what they could do with uh, with really uh, rigid plastic toys, and uh, so so toys that you could not break easily, and that was uh, that were. Uh, Really finished products uh, when uh, when you got it because with the leather ones you had to build it yourself so it was a toy but you 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 had a, a pretty big time uh, building the the toys before playing with it 
and the and, tabletop games that was uh, they were and really yeah big the tabletop the sports the sports uh, tabletop games yeah yeah they were really big on in that too and but yeah for me the most surprising thing I, I think it would be the yeah the swimming pools and um, and the snowmobiles because it was something I really didn't expect to see Coleco in so completely I was completely uh, it completely blew my mind. It uh, as it did did to myself as well, and if you want more on that, uh, check that out in the uh, the Coleco, the official book that's available today that you can buy right now on ColecoBook.com. Um, when I read that, that just blew my mind. And there's actually some more things in there that that are very interesting reading indeed. Um, what I gather was before their their heights of success, or if you can say heights of success, maybe heights of a failure, one way to look at it as far as it's concerned with the ColecoVision and also Cabbage Patch Kids. It seemed to me like they were throwing, um, almost like some companies say, like, let's take Sony. Sony throws a lot of darts at a mm-hmm. lot of projects, and whatever sticks is what they're going to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. You know, they've got PlayStation 4s done gangbusters the past few years, but yet. Um, not everything associated with the PlayStation name that they've introduced has has done. And once they don't see it successful, they they have a tendency to toss aside. Mm-hmm. And I see a lot of uh, similarities in what Coleco used to do. Like you, like you said, swimming pools, um, snowmobiles, and a whole bunch of other things that, uh, like I said, um, I did not uh, connect the dots with Coleco. But it just seemed like like their attempt to go ahead and, and try and see if they can get something that would stick with audiences. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh they they were a business a business before before everything else. They were uh, their goal was to make money and this is this what this was what in their DNA, uh, first of all. So it's uh, it was not um it the the um, the more the company went into the its history and the 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 more it grew the the less it became um it became very passionate about what it was doing so so of course we we have the result with uh, with some very uh, passionate products because it was made by by uh, passionate people but this is also what what i noted uh, during my research and uh, while writing the book is that the the founder of the company and the the son of the founders of uh, the company who, who, who took back uh, the who, who took over the company when uh, when uh, Maurice Greenberg retired in 1976 they 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 just wanted to uh, to to make the the most money as possible so it's uh, which is really not a good way for a uh, for a company to uh, to to go with its business but um could you could you say in, in some ways my apologies could you say in some ways that they tried to go ahead and see themselves at a level that maybe they were not prepared to be at or maybe they were not fully prepared for um, they were because from what I gather and what I've seen and what I've known through my life that Coleco was was a a company that did well when it stayed mm-hmm. within its means when it went outside beyond its means it that's obviously what could have possibly been the demise for the company um, in their, because, because I'm, I'm sure in, in some airways they thought in themselves in comparison, a uh, heavy comparison to, you know, the matchboxes, the Mattels, the, mm-hmm. the, exactly. um, actually the, even the Ataris of the day um, as far as it's concerned. Am I, am I wrong in that statement or? 
No, no, no. But it's just also that um, we have to keep in mind that Coleco, like Mattel, was on the East Coast. Uh, so like Mattel and Hasbro as well. So it, so it was really the, the main competitors for Coleco were really the other big toy companies like Mattel and, uh, and Hasbro who, uh, who ironically um, uh, ended up buying 90% of, uh, of the company when, uh, when it went under. So uh, of the assets of the company. So, and everything that was under in the Silicon Valley, so because at the time they, there wasn't, there wasn't any internet. So there wasn't any social network as well. So there wasn't any, really communication between the, the, the two coasts, especially for, uh, for competing companies. So mm-hmm. of course they knew what was going on in the, in the Silicon Valley. So in, uh, in Sunnyvale, in Sunnyvale where, uh, where uh, Atari was and uh, that they were making the, uh, the, the Pong, uh, Pong arcade games, the, the Pong uh, home console as well that led to the creation of the Telstar for Coleco. And so afterwards, the Atari 2600 that, uh, that paved the way for, uh, for the creation of the ColecoVision. But really, that was it. They didn't really know about, the, um, um, about much more than that. They, they knew about, the, of course, the reception of, uh, of the console. So they knew that it was uh, selling very well. So this is what made them want to go in, uh, in that direction as well. Um, but yeah, they, they really wanted to uh, to compete with uh, with Mattel also. That ended up uh, um, releasing a video game console as well, the uh, the Intellivision. That was uh, that that almost was um, a Coleco console. So if uh, if you check the book, you will know uh, why it was uh, why the Intellivision almost uh, was a Coleco, was a Coleco console and why the control is also very similar to the, to the ColecoVision one. And, and that's what I wanted to allude to as well, because mm-hmm. uh, uh, whereas I had the Pong and I had uh, the Intellivision, obviously Pong and the ColecoVision, I had a friend that had the Intellivision. And, and playing both, even though the graphics were far superior on the ColecoVision, the actual interface and actual controlling schemes and things of that nature were very, very similar mm-hmm. indeed. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, if you're not as familiar with gaming history, people have a tendency to blend the Intellivision and the ColecoVision together in one exactly, line. Exactly, yeah, because the, say, the the name is almost the same, and this is why we. Uh, but this is why we we managed to uh, to mix them up, and it was my case also, uh, like uh, very early on when I when I really got interested in uh, in video game history, I was like. So in television, ColecoVision, what, what uh, is, was the did the Intellivision come first and the ColecoVision second from the same company? So I was really um, uh, not aware of any of the uh, of any of uh, of the background of the of the companies that uh, that were beyond that were behind those uh, those those machines. And but yeah, this is what also is uh, is fascinating. So to uh, to discover that uh, that. There are some ramifications be, behind all that, and that that uh, that led to the creation of a of a console of a console and not another. So it's uh, it, for for me, it was also a very great surprise to learn all that stuff from uh, from the ColecoVision, and this is also why I really wanted to focus on the on the ColecoVision. It's because when we when we say Coleco when we say Coleco, this is what we remember, and I really wanted to. Uh, to to push on uh, on those memories for uh, for the people, but uh, but yeah, as you told, it's not uh, it's not a book only on the ColecoVision. It's really the whole company that uh, absolutely that you d- describe. Absolutely, and that's uh, you know also as well. 
I wanted you to commend you as far as your research on the Telstar, which, as mm-hmm. as noted again, just like the ColecoVision and Intellivision get get passed get get blended together, and also get passed up because of the dominance of the twenty six hundred and mm-hmm. how the the ColecoVision and Television came at a time where. Um, unfortunately, due to the ET issue with Atari, that the mm-hmm. video game industry also hit a major downswing until the Nintendo Entertainment System. Um, but the Telstar is very underrated as far as what it brought to the industry as well. Mm-hmm. Um, your your fascinating look into the book as far as some of the early pioneers of gaming and how they associated themselves with Coleco are also outlined in the book. Um, I also, but I, you know, I will. Save that for the book. So that's some good reading indeed if, if people want to find out how that is and who that is with. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to know, have you got a chance to play the ColecoVision <laughs> at length? And what are your favorite games? Because I can tell you mine, and the reason why I uh, will always be endeared to the ColecoVision is um, because my favorite games on there were Zaxxon and especially nice. probably yeah. the best um, uh, you know, representation of Donkey Kong Jr., uh, that I had okay. seen at that time because it was the colors and, and as far as the concern and the actual look um, was the closest I had seen to an actual arcade game at the time of any game, um, in my opinion, at that time. Obviously, that's changed now, but um, yeah, it, it looks so much, uh, uh, you know, at that time, I was just so overwhelmed at how good it looked compared to its arcade brother. Um, as far as it's concerned, but your thoughts on, on handling the ColecoVision because uh, there is reasons why it did not last as a uh, as a console, but uh, but there are also charms on why it's so special to your heart. So tell us, you know, your thoughts when you actually finally get got your hands on one of them. So it's uh, it was very uh, difficult because the I, I was really not used of uh, used with the controller because it so it's a joystick, a very uh, rigid one. Say that. Yeah, yeah, and but it's a. Uh, it's it's easy, you know. You you take the controller in your in your left hand, the joystick in your right hand. You have the the fire button for uh, for your thumb and your index, and and there you go. So so you're all set just in a in a few seconds, and so this is what uh, I uh, I really love with the with the console, um, like the 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 immediacy of uh, of gameplay. So you know you you um, you turn on your console. Uh, so you have to wait twelve seconds uh, between the uh, for the, for the loading screen, the the blue loading screen. Yes. And afterwards, you just uh, you're just set. Um, and in my favorite game, I would say it's uh, it's Donkey Kong, the first one, because for the pack when I learned game. that it was the the very first adaptation of uh, of uh, of this arcade hit. Uh, I just uh, I just became really interested in uh, in it, and it plays very very well still, it does. still now. It does. So I was completely surprised by uh, by how it's um, how it stood the, the the test of time. So and but I, I, another game that I really like is um, uh, Bump and Jump or. It's this one, yeah. The yes. it's a yeah. So it's a racing game, and uh, so as the name implies, you have some uh, some jumps sometimes, and uh, and it's really funny how they manage to uh, to to do the the zoom effect on the car, so it's it's getting bigger, and then when it lands, it's getting uh, smaller as it, as it was just before it jumped. So it's a it's a very cool game. You have a very there is a very cool uh, library of games on the, on this console. And it's really a shame that, uh, that I noticed there that. wasn't more. So. 
Exactly. And I was funny, uh, I was fascinated to find out when I was looking through the entire library that there was actually a Star Wars and Star Trek entity mm-hmm. uh, exactly. for out there mm-hmm. as far as it's concerned. So that was uh, fascinating reading indeed. Um, the ColecoVision, as far as it's concerned for me, the controller was uh, always the issue, the stability of the actual unit uh, itself. I think the, the, the number buttons, which was uh, the, that shared with the Intellivision as far as it's concerned, the mm-hmm. numeric key mm-hmm. pad. But the actual controller itself uh, was not the most um, uh, sturdy. Uh, yes. I went yeah. through a couple of them, mm-hmm. uh, to say the least. But uh, I do have fond memories of that. Um, was the Atom to you as far as something? The, the Atom was the, the computer mm-hmm. add-on uh, that came later on, uh, for those of you out there that are not familiar with the Atom. But was the Atom something that that they should have tried? It was was it something that that maybe was something in that looking back in hindsight, maybe something that they uh, possibly should have should have avoided? The the fact that the that they try to go in the computer business is not bad in itself because it was a it was a good move. They they did the same with the ColecoVision because they they really came in late. Uh, so like the the, the Atari twenty six hundred was released in uh, nineteen seventy seven, and the ColecoVision in nineteen eighty two. So and the Intellivision in nineteen seventy nine. So they really came in late uh, in comparison to the to to all the other uh, manufacturers. And so there is a reason also for that. Uh, it's because they really wanted to uh, to put on the market. The best, the best product that that there was uh, at the time, and for them, they were they were driven by the the arcade, the arcade games, and they wanted to to bring the experience at home and not part of, uh, not um, not you know part of the experience. So like with a with a lesser graphics, uh, etc. But really the whole experience with um, with some. With some uh, some levels that were uh, that were not present on the home version because for for obvious reason actually, mm-hmm. and so and they managed to to pull that off. So it it was a it was a great experience for them, and they would try to to repeat that with the computers because in the eighties, in the early eighties, we are in the in the eve of the um, uh, personal computer revolution that would be brought by. Uh, uh, Apple and the Macintosh, uh, so it, which was released in 1984, and before that there was some uh, some computers from Commodore, so the the Vic no, 20 well. and the Commodore 64, and there was and in Europe there was some other with the BBC Micro, the uh, the um, uh, Spectrum from uh, from Sinclair. And, and even 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 the IBM uh, PCs at that time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, it it was coming. So it it was this whole revolution that was uh, that was uh, that was preparing, and they wanted to be part of it. So it, this is what I said. This is what I I meant when I said that um, that they were that they were in uh, in many industries and sometimes too many, and they they went really. Uh, um, too fast sometimes spread and, themselves thin or so to speak mm-hmm. yeah exactly exactly because they they were in so many industries that this is what led to uh, to their to their demise uh, eventually so they wanted to to try this computer field they 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 knew that they they they, they could bring something they could bring another value like they bring the the, the like they brought the colica vision to uh, to the customers uh, one year before but the thing is that what in the, what um, what is present in the DNA of Coleco is that 
they want to offer the best product at the most affordable price. And if this is something you can do with uh, with toys, with plastic toys, uh, electronic games, and video games, this is they learn that this is not something you can do with computers because it's uh, it's really different. And so for them, they offered they they choose to uh, to to offer a different experience. So not only a computer, but with the with the Adam when you bought the Adam, you had so the computer and the keyboard, which were two separate units. It was not very um, um, frequent at the time. It was uh, it was one of the first times it was done, and you had also a printer because they really want they re- they wanted to uh, to target the uh, the. The, the high schooler, the uh, the college freshman, um, and so this is why they, they really wanted people to use the computer to play, but also to work. And this is what this is this was something completely new at the time, and and they, so they tried, but they 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 went too fast, and so the the computer was not tested enough, and this led to uh, to many issues. So it was cheaper than the than the competition, but the, on the other hand, they got so many returns that uh, they they chose to uh, to just uh, to just cut everything uh, electronic and um, and yeah, it, to cut everything electronic in 1985. So one year and a half after launching the computer, so it's uh, it was not a good experience for them. Yeah. Uh, and I remember seeing it on the store shelves as far as it's concerned. Uh, almost intimidated by it as an add-on uh, because it was Yeah, so... yeah, because it's huge. Yes, it's so it, it was huge. Yeah. That was probably was the key. I mean, I was a teenager at the time, and, and seeing that as an add-on, it was just... You know, bigger than the bo- bigger than the ColecoVision itself, course, uh, yeah. uh, and it was, that alone just intimidated me. Uh, even though a few years later I would get the Amiga 2000, but that's another story. Mm-hmm. Um, there were some great interviews, and I also want to make sure that they're noted uh, as far as uh, and a great reason why people should read Coleco, the official book. Um, what were some of the most fascinating uh, parts of interviews, or was there one interview in particular that you? enjoyed that really stands out to you um yeah that's a, that's a good question uh because i really loved them all uh, it was really a tremendous experience to, uh, to to get to speak to get to find some people who work at coleco because yeah as i told before so a book on atari and the, the people who work at atari we we know all of them uh the people that work in nintendo we we know almost all of them as well they are they are quite celebrities now, but for Coleco, this is also what um, led me to uh, to this project. Like the the, I wanted to uh, to spread the love for uh, for Coleco for uh, for everyone else to see, and and I really wanted to make this book about the the people as well, about the people who work at the at the company. So not just uh, me writing about the the history of the company. But also through the voices of uh, of the people who actually work there, um, and I was very lucky. So I I managed to find some uh, some people who work directly there, or also some um, like uh, Lorne Lanning who, um, who who really accepted to uh, to to do the foreword for me for this book. Uh, whose father worked at Coleco, so he didn't work himself over there, but his father did. And and said some very kind words about his experience with the yeah, vision as well. Yeah, yeah, it's his forward is, is amazing. It's it's something very very funny. It's uh, it's really cool. And but yeah, if I if I would draw one interview um, 
among among all of them, I would say that uh, Janelle Jacquez was the was the person who was uh, really the who I spent the the more the, the most time with on uh, on Skype. Uh, so she was the director of the of game design in the advanced research and development. So the mm-hmm. the, the the video game team of Coleco. Um, and she she told me amazing stories. So and I was really sad that I had to to cut to cut it down uh, to to be able to fit in in the book because the my first edit for this interview that uh, that lasted for two hours on Skype it was like thirty pages, just one interview. So uh, I knew that I couldn't put just uh, thirty pages for one interview in uh, in the book. So uh, so I trimmed I trimmed it. But I was really sad because the, all the information is so valuable. But I so I put the uh, the most essential uh, essential bit in the in 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 the book, and yeah, she she told me amazing story because she was really really involved in so many projects at Coleco. So she she was involved in the in the Coleco vision. She was involved in the in the Adam. She was involved in accessories for the Coleco vision. So it's yeah, it was it was a. Uh, Completely amazing. Like the, I spent so many, so much good time with uh, with some people. I even managed to to find one manager of uh, of a company here in Montreal of a factory uh, that was here. Um, I met him actually two weeks ago to to give him a copy of the book. He was very very happy. It was uh, it was very cool to uh, to see him again. And I also met uh, with uh, Michael Price, who was also a game designer at Coleco when I was in Arizona last month uh, for a Game On Expo. So I got to I got to meet some of them I got to to speak with some of them on uh, over Skype and for me this is this is this is why I love this job that you you get in touch with some people that created the video game history and it's fascinating for me to to hear their story to hear their uh, their anecdotes what they what they did how it was different from uh, from now and how few of them also stayed in the in the video game industry. So General Jacquez is one of the few that stayed in the video game industry. All the other ones um, uh, worked in other industries afterwards because they because they were laid off. Actually, most of them were laid off for the video game business. I mean, they were laid off in 1985, just as they came back from their Christmas vacation. So it's yeah, it's understandable that you want to uh, to change scenery and uh, and don't have to do anything with a uh, with a video game afterwards. So. That's uh, and, but unfortunately, that was a a byproduct of that period because that's mm-hmm. that's when the video game industry was really on a downturn and would not mm-hmm. see, um, at least from a North American standpoint, until maybe a couple of years later. Like I said, with the Nintendo Entertainment System, mm-hmm. exactly. But I can't before I I cannot let you go unless I ask this question because it is a part of our history of the eighties, it's a part of our pop culture, and that's the craze of the Cabbage Patch Kids, which was yeah, maybe the final maybe the final stroke of genius for for Coleco as far as from what I'm able to ascertain. Um their their last big hurrah uh mm-hmm. as a company. Um, tell me your thoughts on the craze itself because I lived through it. It was on the ni- nightly news. People fighting, uh, literally yeah, the riots, the, the riots, the fighting, the 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 injuries, the you know people dying over it, uh, people robbing each other over them. 
Um, they would be on stacks uh, before the store, which stores would open, and then immediately people would rush in, like it was the old days mm-hmm. from Black Friday, uh, as far as it's concerned. Your thoughts on, when you were investigating the Cabbage Patch Kids craze, and, and if you were able to talk to some people about it, what were your thoughts, you know, when you were interviewing them when, as far as their memories of it? Because, like, for me, like I said, I saw this and was just blown away that these dolls could do so much mm-hmm, mm-hmm. for these people and that they that people were willing to be so crazy as far as it's concerned to do so many outrageous things in order to get their <laughs> hands on them. So the thing is with the Cabbage Patch Kids is that so it was not created by Coleco. It was created by uh, by someone else. There is actually a bit of a controversy uh, over the, the the creation of the of the dolls. But uh, anyway, the, the the man who had the, the rights for the Cabbage Patch Kids, uh, it was called Little People uh, before that. Uh, was uh, I don't remember his name. Um, but it's in the book, correct? Yeah, yeah. It's uh, he has a cowboy hat. Uh, he comes from Georgia. Um, well, let I, me remember just, I, that, I, I remember scanning that. I remember scanning that over to myself. Uh, I remember yes. the cow. The you know, as far as I mentioned, the cowboy hat so and whatnot. His name was Xavier Roberts. Okay. Xavier Roberts. So Xavier Roberts from Georgia. Uh, so created the the Cabbage Patch Kids, and he went to see all the all the toy manufacturers in the um, in the country, and uh, they all said no except Coleco. Coleco really saw the the potential of the of the of those dolls, but every time I mentioned it to to any of the people who work in the video game um, division of Coleco, they they didn't expect at all this uh, disgrace that happened with the Cabbage Patch Kids because they all told me that I've never seen such an ugly doll. So and so there's a layer of resentment from the video game department that that uh, in some ways that that this took off like I, it I'm, did. No, I'm not sure it's it's resentment. It's just like um, when you see the doll for the first time, you know, it's not like a, a plastic it's not a doll. looker. It, 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 yeah, it's not a, a plastic doll like Barbie, and it's not like a um, uh, a beautiful woman uh, with like blonde hair and and like a, um, a beautiful dress on and stuff. So so no, it just. It's just a baby, uh, big a, chubby a cheeks, soft, yeah, yeah. Big chubby cheeks, uh, a soft one also. So it, it, it's really, it's really different from uh, from what they they were used to. So and but the fact that you didn't buy the doll, you adopted it, and it came with adoption papers and everything. So you had a really different experience with the uh, with the cabbage patch than uh, than a Barbie doll, and. Similar to what the Build-A-Bear uh, concept does today. Yeah, yeah. And, and so as Coleco is a, is a toy company first, uh, they really wanted to, to go through with it. Uh, the, the, toys, the, the dolls were manufactured all over the world. So it was, it, they were manufactured in Europe, in, uh, in Hong Kong, in the US, in Canada, also in Montreal. There was a factory uh, manufacturing some, uh, some Cabbage Patch Kids. And... And yeah, it went it went big. It was unexpected also for uh, for them, uh, but they made one crucial mistake. Um, they thought that they had the next Barbie, so they thought that this craze would last for uh, for many years. And unfortunately, it was just for uh, for one Christmas. It and was. afterwards, it was uh, it was gone 
for North America because if you take the interviews, you will see that uh, that the the cabbage patch kids are still big elsewhere in the world, uh, but not in North America anymore. And now, now they're more of collector's items per se. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and so they 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 didn't expect they didn't expect the craze, so they they manufacture millions of them. And they didn't expect for it to to uh, to go away that fast, so they they were stuck with uh, with millions of dolls and uh, that they had to destroy or uh, or to give away or uh, or to put that in clearance. And uh, so it was a uh, yeah. All in all, it was not a good experience uh, neither for uh, for this one uh, because they thought they they had something really really big, and they did, but. Uh, just for one year, so it didn't it didn't last as long as they, as they expected. So. But once the bill came out, as far as it's concerned, with all that excess inventory, um, my uh, well, you know, it, we, there are thoughts that that you have in there as far as how, where it led to, as far as the company is concerned. Um, obviously, that that could be one leading factor. There are many other factors as well because you can't just put it on one on the onus on one specific cause and, and the book I think details that that as far as it's concerned. Uh, um but let's say one last question before you go. Sure. Um if you had been the head of Coleco at that time, what well, if there and you had one choice to make, what would that have been as far as it's concerned during the eighties in the at the height as far as it's concerned, one change you would like to have made? Um I would have st- I would have uh, stayed with the ColecoVision because what I learned and what I discovered uh, writing the book is that they were in uh, because because Eric Bromley was uh, was hired from uh, Bully Midway so from the arcade part of the vi- of the video game business he knew a lot of people he knew like all the heads of the of the arcade um, of the arcade business and this is why coleco managed to have some uh, some really good arcade titles arcade ports on the on the console on the coleco vision and they they could have um made a history with a successor of the coleco vision so they should have stuck to it more correct yeah this is this is what I would have done because they they had so many opportunities they also had the the right structure and the 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 right uh, hierarchy uh, to to do that because Coleco was the first company to to use to to have different position for a, for a different uh, part of a game so they had artists they had game designers and they had programmers and also uh, sound designers it wasn't uh, one was, person or two individuals doing a, a myriad of exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It was not it, because this is this is what led to the to to the crash with the with the ET games you mentioned. So it was one man for five weeks. So how can one man for five weeks do a, an incredible game, even if it used an incredible license such as ET? So Coleco um Coleco managed to to understand that very quickly and and to to uh, to have the the good structure to to do it, but because of the Adam, they 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 uh, they stopped the production of uh, of all ColecoVision uh, items to focus on the Adam computer. And for me, this is this was their uh, worst decision, uh, their worst business decision, because they also knew Nintendo because they had the uh, the Donkey Kong license for uh, for the home uh, for the home consoles, and they. 
there even have some talks about Coleco and Nintendo partnering to create another console. So uh, sometimes, yeah, imagine what we, what it would have been to to have to have Coleco and Nintendo partnering to uh, to do a, an incredible machine with uh, so all the all the American license that uh, that, Col- that that Coleco could uh, mm-hmm. could have obtained and all the Japanese license that uh, Nintendo could have obtained on uh, in its in its own right. And it would have been something completely different, but uh, they they didn't manage to um, to to find uh, to um, to to understand each other on uh, on this particular thing. So Coleco just uh, just went its way to to create the Adam, and uh, and Nintendo went on to create the uh, the Famicom and the NES, and the rest is history. So. Indeed, it is. But that would have been an interesting marriage, yeah. indeed. Uh, just uh, just understanding that part and. Uh, that and, and so much more is detailed and outlined in uh, Coleco, the official book. Uh, it's available at ColecoBook.com. It's right there for you folks, but it's also as well for people listening out there on our game source and pop culture cosmos, uh, radio shows and whatnot. Um, it is ColecoBook.com. I'm telling you what, it's a great read. Uh, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, I'm just page turner from beginning to end. Uh, it details one of the the great toy companies of the last century, um, and and I just Antoine, you have have my personal compliments as far as it's concerned. Thank you very on the much. Actual uh, book itself. Uh, I wish you much success. Uh, Thank you. Um, as far as for that is concerned, and and obviously all all your rest of your career as well. Um, you're welcome back with us anytime you want. Um, again, this is. Uh, Antoine Claire Renault, uh, the author of Coleco, the official book. I hope you get a chance to talk with us again. We'd love to talk more Coleco, uh, sure, no 80s history Anytime. on video game, uh, your 90s history as well. And obviously you're a gamer, true and true, yes. which uh, yeah, we yeah, are as I well. Uh, um, any thoughts on what you're looking forward to this fall on, on playing uh, while I have you here? Well, uh, but to be completely honest with you, I don't have any of the more recent consoles. Uh, oh, really? Okay. Just yeah, all I don't retro I, for you. No worries. Yeah, no it's, worries. it's really retro for me, and I don't have I don't have much time to play either. So, because you know, during research, it takes a lot, a lot of time, uh, and and then you have to uh, when you have to to put a, a book together, it's uh, it's even more uh, it's even more time. Uh, so, but yeah, but um. As a Final Fantasy uh, big fan, I'm uh, really curious about Final Fantasy 15. Of course, um, I really want to know uh, how it will uh, hold up. Um, I will tell you this: uh, it was recently announced that Final Fantasy 15, the PlayStation Slim bundle, will be coming exactly, very yeah. soon. So uh, you may have your eyes on that. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, because I don't have a PS4 yet, so so maybe yeah, I will uh, I will see that um, and. And yeah, I'm, I'm also looking forward to the, uh, all the all the big uh, all the big announcements, all the big uh, because I'm still following the the video game industry and all the new games and stuff. Even though I, I don't have time to uh, to play them, but I'm still curious and uh, to curious to see where the uh, the video game industry is going. So with the VR and everything, so I'm uh, I'm, I'm still following um, just for, uh, for for from afar since uh, right now, but. Uh, Maybe sometime when I will be done with all my projects, I will have time to uh, to to dive in again. 
Well, uh, I hope you do indeed, because obviously, you know, as you you and I have come to know, video games um, are a great portion of this world as far as it's concerned. Mm-hmm. Something good that's been created out of out of our society, and um, just something that that uh, many gamers out there, like you and like me, like me, have had uh, a more than great experiences with. And, um, and once again, it is uh, Coleco, the official book from ColecoBook.com. You just want to check it out. You can buy the book right there. You just go ahead, go for it. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. If you want to read my my review, just to make sure, it's on the NUHerald.com and YourGameSource.com. But just, just you know, go to it. Go to ColecoBook.com and buy that book because it's a great read indeed. And, uh, you know, Antoine, once again, it's been a pleasure having you on. You're Thank always you, welcome back. You're welcome, yeah. Um, as far as any of your other projects, or if you get a chance, you want to just talk games, you're, you're always welcome as well. Uh, sure, sure. Um, and, and like I said, uh, we appreciate you having, uh, be having you on the show, uh, from game source and also pop culture cosmos. Any last thoughts? Um, yeah, for, uh, for all the people listening, continue to, uh, to learn uh, gaming history. We need to preserve it. Uh, this is my main mission right now. I'm really focusing on uh, on on saving this history and uh, preserving this history and telling it through uh, through more books. So just uh, just continue to uh, to support all the video game history writers out there. And th- indeed, absolutely. Once again, it's Coleco, the official book uh, at ColecoBook.com. The author Antoine Claire Renault has been our guest. It's been a pleasure. My the name is Joe Glassford. Hey, oh, absolutely. My name is Gerald Glassford from Game Source and Pop Culture Cosmos. Want to thank you for your time, Antoine, and thank everybody out there for watching and listening. Appreciate it so much. And we here's hoping you have yourselves a great day. <laughs>